Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley, and wish with me today is my special guest, Alan Steinfeld. Alan is the host of the YouTube channel, New Realities, and he's been on this journey of awakening since he was had an awakening experience in 1981 with Ramtha, who was channeled by Jay-Z Knight in Manhattan. And I we're going to be working together on a thing called the Channel Panel, which will be a live event with seven different channels, myself included. And it's going to be streamed uh, in the uh, December 19th and 20th is a two-day event. So I'll give more information on that as we go along. But welcome, Alan. It's great to have you here. Great. I'm, I'm happy to talk to you. You seem really grounded and sensible. I mean, I talk to a lot of channels that are not that grounded. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but you seem to be pretty together. I mean, yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I was a normal guy like everyone else. And then this thing just emerged in my life. And it took seven years to get comfortable with being a channel. I thought it was super weird. And now I'm you know, it's the, it's my life and I'm completely focused on helping other people awaken, which is, seems to be like we're on a con congruent trajectory. Definitely. I have to say though, I'm glad I'm not a channel because, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I love it. It's something I pursue. It's, uh, I, I, I love the information and what comes through. I, I, I mean, I think channeling is one of the miracles of consciousness itself but I'm happy to observe it and watch it and learn from it and use those, that information in my life. Well, you are bringing it forth in your way as the interviewer and as the conduit of information. Now that YouTube is so easy to be available to everyone, that's how you are in service to all of this. Yes. And I love that process for me because I'm sharing what I'm learning. And that's, that's why I do it. So it's, I do it for myself first to learn. That's what it is. You know, as teachers, we are students first. Yes. I'm always a student as yeah. well. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. So, and I've learned some stuff actually. Yes. So <laughs> I have this, you know, I, I do the same thing. I interview other channels and other spiritual teachers on this show. And I find that, you know, it's tough because when someone comes on this on this show as an expert in spirituality, they are like that traditional position of teacher where they think they know everything and they're trying to impart their wisdom on others. Mm -hmm. And they tend to sort of not be in that student mode anymore. Right. Yeah. I don't pretend to do, I hope, well, let me know if I do that. <laughs> okay. yeah, we're just, you know, it's like you get big enough and famous enough and well known and people are always asking for your opinion it's hard to remember that we're just learning this from scratch and we don't really yeah, know anything i mean we all have opinions they used to say opinions are like assholes everybody <laughs> but um no opinions are okay but they're not the absolute truth there is no such thing as an absolute truth and if you're talking to whoever with ever through whatever that's still a point of view, whoever you're channeling there. I, I mean, I've met people who say they channel God and it's like, okay, that's your version of God, uh, right. but it's not the ultimate. Yeah. It's always coming through a filter and that is um, distorting. What is your mission in life? 
Mm, that is a great question. It's something, uh, I, I don't know if I can put into the word mission, if I could tell you what I've been um, obsessed with or pursuing is knowledge. So I wouldn't say my mission is knowledge, but I do want to know the, the, the essence of creation, if you want. And, and of course, that's right here. I don't have to look outside. It's in each one of us. Right. But um, and also then to share what I've learned with others. I mean, so to find what knowledge I can to filter it through this sense of distorted perception, because, mm -hmm. you know, we all have that. Actually, someone just said it's like it's like a wine glass. Like the, the wine is consciousness, but you need a container mm. to hold it. And so our individual psyches are the container of the infinite. And, you know, based on our conditioning, our learning, our education, our upbringing, our ethnicity, that that throws a kind of like filter in there. So um, I'd like to get all the filters out of the way and, and have uh, William Blake said, when the doors of perception are cleansed, all things will be seen as they are infinite. So yeah, like, I, I, I so a mission is something I've just enjoy learning and doing and sharing. I mean, that's really been about I mean, other people have had careers, other people have had family. <laughs> I've just, I've just said, well, who else is out there? What else can I learn? It's like that's been my um, thing. So I, I, that's where I'm at. And tell me about the moment where you were at that Jay Z night seminar, and you did you ask a question to Ramtha? No, I was in the audience, and that. Thank you for asking me about that because I always go back to that moment as that glimpse. I wouldn't say awakening, but a, a moment where I saw through the veils of the world. So it was 1981, I'd come out of college with a kind of focus on psychology. And I heard about Jay-Z back in 79, this friend of mine, this great friend of mine said, well, this woman uh, from Seattle uh, channels a 35,000 year old warrior from Atlantis and it's really great. I said, well, I couldn't buy the 35,000 year old warrior from Atlantis from the bleach blonde housewife, uh, wife of a Tacoma dentist. And it's like, okay, that's great. What else? Because I was looking through everything through uh, the filter of psychology. Right. You know, so that was my background. I'm just looking at things psychologically. Everything came down to, well, um, what's your upbringing? How do you feel? How does it influence you? So, um, but I heard a tape of Ramtha that my roommate, friend of my roommate had left in my apartment. And I was sort of looking into the spiritual areas and there was Rajneesh out there with people with their little picture, his picture around their neck. And I said, I don't really want to wear someone's picture. And, and plus I didn't look good in that room. That was not my color. <laughs> Really, so that could not be my cult of choice. But, um, but I was looking for, into the more spirituality. I had met some Eastern teachers. But anyway, this um, tape was left in my apartment of Rampa. 
And I said, okay, I'm just gonna put this on and see if there's anything I can learn because I was still interested in learning. And there was a woman talking to Rampa, Jay-Z channeling Rampa, and she was saying she had this bad skin condition and she had tried everything she could do to get rid of this thing she had to deal with. And then Rampa says to her, have you tried loving it? And right. in that moment, you could tell there was a silence that went through the room. This is on tape and it's like, it's like that there was a light that went on for whoever she, she he was talking to. And it's like, oh, that's another thing. And, and then I thought, well, maybe this is not just some psychological derangement channeling. Maybe there's some essence of love here. Maybe it is about love. So I went to what they called the dialogue back in October of um, 1981 on Central Park West there, 73rd Street. And I was about a hundred people in the room and I just wanted to check it out. And it was kind of fascinating. I thought, you know, someone's channeling. There's three options, right? I'm sure you faced this. Either they're totally out of their mind, crazy, or they're faking it to get the money or to for the fame. Or the third option, and this is, is maybe this is really happening. You know, maybe yeah. they really are getting out of the way to allow this other being to use their body and mind as a as a vehicle for communication. So that was like the furthest down on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was above it. Maybe like, okay, maybe she didn't know. Maybe she was like not crazy, but like a little schizophrenic or something. Anyway. <laughs> So I'm sitting in the back of the room there. Uh, I don't think Jay-Z was going into trance at that, but I think she did the trance offstage and then would come on uh -huh. as Rampa. And you could see this on the Merv Griffin show. There's a DJ. Yes, I got to watch that. Actually, I'm the one that originally posted that. That was a 1985 show with uh, Merv Griffin. Of course, I reposted it and then Merv Griffin took it down because of his organization. Anyway. I'm sitting in the room there at this auditorium on 73rd Central Park West and people are asking questions and a lot of it was about their like, you know, what job should they get or what right. should they do about their sick cat or, you know, very mundane questions. And for the people, this were some profound questions. But anyway, Rantha looks at me, I'm sitting in the back room and says, what say you beloved entity how be you this day in your time? Wow, I just got chills all over. I know, it's like this voice from forever speaking through this little woman. From And it's like, I looked behind me and there was no one behind me. And I pointed at myself and he says, indeed, master, what say you? You know, so, I mean, I, I, that's what I loved about Rampton was this archaic, Shakespearean language, at least in those early days, it's mm. like, wow, this is another way of communicating. So that was already sort of captivating because I was an English major besides psychology and I love Shakespeare and um, that kind of formalized language and that use of language. And, and Renther would define uh, each term in those days and he'd say, how, how be you this day and this time as you know time to be and mm. stuff like this and talk about indeed and, and so be it. And there was all this. And 
that really kind of added to the charm and fascination. And besides which, the knowledge, the language uh, of things like the inner earth or the um, atrium, the constants. You know what the atrium of the no. is? According to Rampa, as far as I remember, that's where we are as beings before we incarnate for the first time. We're in this atrium and there were 12 cycles of incarnation forming the 12 houses of astrology that I, I think, I mean, but he doesn't believe in astrology. It was kind of like we brought in certain um, attributes into the conscious field as these families of souls incarnated into existence. But before that, we would observe it yeah. in the atrium and saying, oh yeah, what's it like to go there and forget everything you know about infinity and and go into density and yeah. forget who you really are. That's the challenge of the gods. And Rumpler would also talk about we are the gods of creation, you know, and that initial spark um, where the infinite contemplated itself, it, it burst into, or it kind of became, um, mm, not fraction, but a, a, a multiplicity of its identity of as as eternity um, were formed, which is us, and we came into um, this awareness in the play of the field of, of of creation, and we instituted creation itself, according to Rampa, and lowered our density and uh, kept lowering it until we finally arrived at this plane of density, as dense as it really gets, mm. which is fine. This is what Bashar, you know Bashar? Yes, very well. He says, this is as dense as it gets, so you get used to it, and this is, and we're moving out of it, so right. get it while you can. Yeah. You know? <laughs> One other of the teachings of Rampa that I thought were really important that I don't hear many people address, and then I'll get back to my moment, <laughs> um, was the difference between soul and spirit. What I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but what do you think the difference is? Okay. I think there's the personal construct of who we are, yeah. Then there's an inner self and then there's source and it's all the same and you can't separate any of it. It's not possible. So what's no. the difference between soul and spirit? Well, soul would be your inner self. Right. Right. And spirit would be source itself. Yeah. Yet we are layers of the same thing in, in, in divisible from all of it. We only see ourselves as separate from it in this incarnation. And the more we see ourselves as source or as our inner selves are guiding us and our inner selves are us, where um, Abraham will say inner being. Right. Joshua says inner self because it is you. And right. it looks like you. It sounds like you. It's you. That's why I channel Joshua, but the thoughts sound like my thoughts. I couldn't, I thought it would be some other sounding thing but no. they're saying no it's your thoughts we've always been with you you just didn't realize it what this was and then source itself is is layered on top of all that so there's so from the from the whole source that broke up or whatever uh multiplicity that really was never really broken up you get to that fully belief then you are 
at the at the belief of love because that's the belief of love right that's yeah. the ascension frequency if you want to call it that right. or something. Right. but i'll tell you what i mean i think you're close to what rampus said of course there's no these are only words and i think really what you said is really the essence what I understood uh, very much along those same lines is in that beginning of that creation moment is that we were spirit. We were just pure spirit, each of us in our own reflection of, the, of that universal essence. But, and as we lowered ourselves in density, we, we created different planes of density. We were the gods that created the plane. I mean, not us personality sitting here, but the essence. And we created, you know, different levels. And, but the thing is, we needed a way of owning the experience of that creation. Right. So instead of just the spirit, the soul was created as a keeper of records. Ah. That in, as the individual's um, own expression of that spirit, that's conscious spirit. So each of us, I mean, some people call that the Akashic records. I think yeah. it's just a fancy way to say the soul. So the soul, as according to Rampa, is the child of the spirit. Because without the soul and the wisdom that we gain, the we creation won't serve the same purpose as the um, wouldn't be the self reflection so the owning of the wisdom of experience gains us the self-reflection to keep evolving and pushing the envelope of creation absolutely and that each human experience not just of the life but of every experience within that life is added to the tapestry of all that is so that source can know itself fully right but one more thing I think that you might get to, I mean, this is what, is that what do you think the purpose then of being here is? It's not to, just return to source. To understand, you know, the, the contrast between fear and love. Right. Okay. So source is love. We, the essence of who we are is love. But fear is the illusion that we are not source, not the creator, not um, worthy or enough or good or anything. And that, and that source knows it's eternal. We think that we're finite. Right. You're absolutely right. I'll quote Joshua. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but one more thing that, I, that I'll add, or I mean, it's just my opinion from what I've learned. You know, we've already know on that other level that that love, fear is an illusion and all there is is love, right? But the purpose of incarnation or the adventures of forever um, is to, this is how I see it, is to make known the unknown, yeah. to add to creation, right? Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's what self-expression, that's, that, and I, I focus a lot on art in my own work, the understanding of artistic creation, what creativity is, because I see creativity as the manifestation of making known the unknown. That gets me back to Rampa because one of the fascinations at that day in 1981 that sort of started to open me up 
he says, he said in the audience, and I mean, I still remember it was those years ago. He says, everybody wants to know what this phenomena of channeling is. The real mystery is what's coming through that body. Who are you? What's the source of that? Yes. Because we're, we're at the point now where we can start going, uh, paying attention to our inner voice. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I have to get, that gets me back to Ramtha because one of the fascinations at that day in, in 1981 that sort of started to open me up. He says, he said in the audience, and I mean, I still remember it was those years amazing. ago. He says, everybody wants to know what this phenomena of channeling is. The real mystery is what's coming through that body. Who are you? What's the source of that? Yes. Yeah. Now where you have the chance to awaken to who you truly are in this life, which is the source creator of your reality. And if you think of your reality as a universe, you're the center of that universe. No one's right. thinking the thoughts or having the experiences that you have. You're creating it all and you're the source of it. And so as the source of it, you can be in a limited experience of life, buying into what society tells you is good and right and trying to be something in order to get what you think you need, or you can be the source of it, realizing that you are whole and complete and perfect, and you don't need to pay attention to anything outside yourself. Then you can create what you truly want, yet what you truly want is to understand that you are source and love. Right. And once you get that clarity, then I think your mission shifts to helping others realize that in themselves when well, they're ready. Well, a couple of things I just want to talk to you is like you said, we were living a limited life of learning unlimited. But, but I do think there were throughout history, unlimited beings accessing unlimited thought. And those were the creators and the inventors and the evolutionaries that helped push uh, society forward, civilization. Absolutely, 100%, uh, which society has always been moving along this timeline from fear to love. It's a perfect plan. It's in the, it's in the greater scheme of things. This is what's happening. But well, we were looking at... Um, um, Michelangelo, if you look at the Sistine Chapel where man is touching God's finger there, yeah. this was the Instagram of the day. You know, here is, is, is adding this concept into society where you are not separated from God, you know, right. in, in the most articulate way, well, creative way you can imagine. Yeah, and all of these inventors and artists and musicians along the way. Right. No, I like what you're saying. And um, one more thing, I w I'm not saying you're not right, but I think we know the difference essence of from fear to love before the incarnational experience, right? Sure, yeah. But we come and incarnate in order to, well, I missed that part. In order to move along this timeline from fear to love, to under, to come to the awareness of who we truly are while we're alive. 
I agree with that. And once we have that awareness, I say that just gets us to ground zero. That gets us to where future, let's say, incarnation or future societies will begin from because that is not the end point. That is the beginning point. Yeah, that's why I said you get to that awakening moment yourself Mm -hmm. and now your whole purpose in life is to help others awaken. Well, to help others awaken is one, but it's also to push the envelope of the unknown. Yes. Which is a way to help other people awaken, of course. Right. Because um, the the universe, whatever this existence is, is, is in creation. It's not all created. The source itself, in my opinion, it, it, it may have everything that has happened or will have, but it hasn't been manifest through the essence of being. Right. And what the other miracle of, of, of consciousness is that there's new qualities of thought that are being input that take that basis of being love and start to, um, express it in unknown ways exactly this is, this is what's so exciting that uh, about this potential time in history is because the the unknown can be embraced as um joy not in fear exactly yeah like the idea of there's um greater levels of infinity yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly right. but that just shows you that that without the desire Mm -hmm. that those potential creations couldn't come into existence. So you have to have the need and we come to serve that need to have the new desires and the the new experiences to unlock those potential ideas and thoughts and inventions that couldn't be done in the non-physical because in the non-physical they exist in a state of bliss. Right. But with, isn't that desire every moment of existence? Like, like the, like, what do they call it in Hindu? The, the, the mind of Shiva or something like that, you know? There's, there's, Joshua talks about two desires. So the desire, most of our desires are created out of lack or some event that causes us to feel lack. So we're, the rent's coming due. We have a lack of money. We have this desire for money to solve this problem of the lack. The lack is a limited belief mm-hmm. structure that it has to be exposed. And the, the fear is what is generated from that limiting belief. So these, um, these limited forms of, of beingness that we have here are not reflective of who we truly are of the illusion. So most of our desires are what Joshua calls false desires or desires based in lack. Then we have our pre-birth intentions, which are true desires, which are to express our love to ourselves, to everyone else, and to the conditions. So that's acceptance. Love and acceptance are the same thing. Fear and control, the, the other side of that. To experience true freedom, true abundance, not limitation or lack, and to expand in joy, not in suffering. Now, if we realize that our desires are based in lack, we could say, okay, this is not a true desire. I am abundant. I am worthy. I am going along a journey of self-discovery. I don't have to buy into 
these need of these tangible things, I can focus on my journey and allow the universe to support this journey. Now it's, I've been doing this for seven years. So there's a lot of teachings in here. This is just the- I'm talking about desire in a much more subtle way. I mean, as you, I'm talking about the next word out of your mouth, the next moment of taking a glass of water, the next breath you take. Good. Perfect. This is the essence, yeah. Right, so in this, there's of the false desire, the next moment is to solve the problem of the negative emotion that you feel as you perceive some lack. That's called an urge, and that's done to control a condition. Now, when you control anything, obviously that's based in fear. The only reason you would act on an urge is because you're feeling some kind of fear and that negative emotion you want to solve. For instance, you get really angry, you want to punch the wall. That's the urge. It's not going to, the action taken on urge is never going to do anything to help your hand or the wall. In alignment, in saying everything is right, you receive thought after thought after thought after thought, inspiration, inspiration, inspiration from love consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. From the separate stream of consciousness based in love. In that, you'll have inspiration to take action that will lead you on your journey to allow your true desires to unfold, which really is to awaken to who you are. Right. But I have to, and I agree with that. And that's what each breath, each moment, each, each look, each, but is lack, let's say, I mean, I don't even like the word. I don't even like to say it because everything that is manifested is for the purpose of looking at it for evolution. So you may think you're manifesting this, but it's really the abundance of your creation that 100%. you're manifesting, that you're misinterpreting as that. So, exactly. You're misinterpreting abundance as lack because you're, you've never that. been anything other than fully abundant. Right. Exactly. So let's, I prefer just staying on that level yeah. and talking about the joy of creation, whatever it is. I mean, and well, I'm that's right. But if you are perceiving lack, which most people are, 99% of the population is perceiving lack, they're trying to solve that problem of lack by taking action to control the conditions. And that never turns out well. Let's, let's say, let's not put 99% of the people in that position. Let's not say they're even manifest. Let's say they're manifesting abundance in their manifestation of lack. Yes. I think if we hold that place for people, there's less lack on the planet because we're holding them in a place of abundance. And, and so we can talk about 99% of the people, but they are the manifesting gods of that abundance. 100%. And there's no, there's no judgment in that. Right. It's just the observation that, that in that, um, trying to solve the problem of their perception of lack by changing the conditions rather than changing the perception, they manifest suffering Yes, that's for them, right? Yeah. And so what we're saying here is if you could awaken to the fact that you've always been in abundance, an abundance of experiences of lack, because that's what you were choosing to explore. If you awaken to the fact which is what these books are all about, and which we have a course all about this, is that you now see your life from an, a higher perspective, 
of yeah. love and perfection and that all these experiences are helping you awaken to the fact that you are in the illusion. That's right. Okay, move over. Let me talk to Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, not. But no, let's I, get back to you that moment. What okay, did you yeah. feel? No, no, but I just want to say thank you for that. And I agree. I just prefer to hold people in the joy. That's of because you're a master uplifter. I don't know. I'm doing it for myself. I, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So I'm there in the audience in, in 1981 before I even had an idea of any of this stuff. Although I knew I was looking for something to change. And yeah, because you were, you were interested in psychology. Yeah, I thought right? psychology was the way to um, understand human existence. Yes. Of course, then I had to, in college, I started as a psychology major, and then I had to take all these ridiculous statistic courses and these theories, and it's like, I took one literature course and I said, wow, these people know more about humans than all the psychology books. So I became a literature major and, and studied the, the stream of consciousness uh, works of James Joyce and D.H. Yeah. Lawrence and Shakespeare, of course. So anyway, I'm sitting in that auditorium there in the back row and I'm called upon and he says, what say you beloved entity? He also says, you be a most contented entity Mm. which was very nice of him to say <laughs> but then in that moment of being um called upon and 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 not really being prepared uh for speaking it's like i was just observing are you okay yeah just my light there's darkening okay. out there okay there we go. uh so not being really prepared um there was a moment where my consciousness had alters and it's like the room as if like you're like drunk or something, but I wasn't. It's just like there was a distortion in my reality or maybe it wasn't distortion, maybe this is the distortion. But anyway, yeah. there was a moment where I felt uh, me and Ramtha, whoever that is, out of the body of Jay-Z and me embraced in the mm. middle of the room. We had this, uh, this is what I sensed, it was this, moment of, of transfiguration, maybe, mm -hmm. of transcendence, mm -hmm. uh, of really knowing I was more than my body. It was the awakening of a realm of awareness, right? of being. And I mean, it wasn't like I had an out of body. I just realized there was this act activation of consciousness that really set me on the path to know everything I pursued for the last, what is that, 40 years or so. Yeah, and that everything that you learned before that, that you came to construct your reality was not true. Well, I wouldn't say it's not true. I would say it's like um, looking out of a side of a window instead of the whole window. Uh, so wasn't that it wasn't true. It was all true, like everything is right. But how much of the picture do you see? Yeah. So if you base, and this is where I go back and write about the um, what's wrong with psychology. Uh, I mean, I was part of the uh, Association for Spirituality and Psychotherapy. It was kind of a a nonprofit organization. And it's like 
psychology has given us some great gifts of understanding the self, but it's also limited us, us on who we are and the potential of our mind. So I was looking through a limited scope and then in that moment, I saw the bigger picture mm. of an expanded mind, not to make the other things wrong, because they weren't wrong. Yeah. They were just this little corner of the puzzle. And then, of course, as puzzles keep widening and widening, I had a moment of, of a bigger clarity. And, you know, each, each day is a moment, hopefully, of greater clarity. Of course, we have this we fall back occasionally said, Oh my God, we went unconscious and like all that. But um, that was the moment of moving forward. There's a great Rumi poem. You know, uh, do you look, look at Rumi? Yes. Um, there's a few ones and I just listened to them today. What was the poem that you have? The one that I thought about is the guy who loses his camel. Uh, you know okay. that one? Now go ahead. Well, there's, there's the guy who lost his camel, and then there's someone who um, says he lost his camel because it looks so exciting to lose a camel, have everyone look for the camel. This is right. <laughs> so the guy is going along who hasn't really lost the camel, calling out clues of what a camel, a lost camel might be like, and the real guy who lost the camel says, thank you for joining my search in finding my camel. And then suddenly, and it's always so emotional in a way, the guy who hadn't thought he lost the camel sees his own, his own camel standing there, the one he didn't even know he lost. Wow. And then he becomes a real seeker. And he says to the other one, now I know what you're doing. You're, you were doing. I was just imitating your camel clues and and like a thief, I crept and entered a house and found out it was my own home. Wow. <laughs> and that becomes like, you know, the the movement on the path of awakening, of, mm -hmm. which is an ongoing path. I mean, we never, but it was a moment where I realized I had lost my own camel. Yeah. And, and I could find and realize that, wow, it was right there all along. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's the awakening moment. Yeah. And I, I see that happening more and more now. It's a glimmer, a quick mm -hmm. insight, but that's all, all you need is yeah. that experience. And then you're like, okay, everything's different. Now I can do what I'm interested in doing. And that is a valid path. Well, it also gives you a glimpse of forever. It's like, then I realize, well, yes, I have a body and we have to love and share and care and, you know, honor, but, you know, we're more than that body. Some people have those moments on LSD, mm -hmm. on meditation and whatever it takes. Maybe it's even watching a football game. I heard about that where suddenly reality collapses and everything they thought was true takes play there's it's a greater framework yeah the old frame drops away i mean you ever listen to paul selig yes very well, much I'm, guy, I'm, in, I'm in i am word again for the i read that book when i first started channeling because i th didn't know there were other channels except for abraham and except for esther and so i looked around and that was one of the first books i read 
story waters, but, but that I am word, I did not realize until I'm reading it now, that is a book about awakening. And it's a book of transmission. I, I, I was one of the first because I'm really interested in channeling uh, to, to, I was the first really get Paul Selig out of his apartment and say, Paul, let's do a public gathering here. Cause he used to do these little groups in his apartment. So yeah. I knew I got to know Paul pretty well. I said, and I, we, I organized his first retreat and like, I knew he was going to be big because what I was getting from Paul's guides and the channeling was stuff that added to my own understanding, like Rampa, you know, it's like, that's why, I, like Bashar, like, like the people I consider the great channels are people that said, well, I didn't know that I could look at. And so Paul was one of those, but anyway, he has a book of like look, looking through the framework and then expanding that and expanding that. But each of those expansions is that moment of awakening. Yes, mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. And this is where we are as a planetary civilization. This is what the Corona, whatever you want to call it, which means crown, was that chance for us to tap into something new, to disconnect from the ordinary paradigm. Yeah, an everyday world and give us something really now, now for something completely different as Monty Python would say. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's a, the, the virus is a being of love and it is here to help us see that, that our priorities were not aligned with love. And now the health of, and well-being of your body, of your family, of your passions and interests, and that job that you went to may not be there anymore and something else can come. Right, I don't know if I'd call it being a love, I mean, maybe you could see it that, but I call it a, a facility to wake us up. Yeah. Maybe that's what you're calling love. Yeah. But um, I, I, I see this is our chance as a planetary civilization to start to do things differently. A hundred percent. And, and it's been a great opportunity for a lot of people to know themselves. That was, that was the quest of the gods in the beginning when we incarnated here. Yeah. It's yeah. on the Oracle of Delphi. If you talk about the history of channeling, you know, the Oracle of Delphi, right? This is something that I think that I heard you talk about is that in, in something that um, it's inscribed on yeah, the Delphi, the Oracle of Delphi, where people would go where the priestess would, would channel the words of Apollo, because Apollo was the god of light and clarity. And these, um, what do they call them? I, they, the, the, um, I guess the, the um, I guess they were priestesses of Apollo would go into a trance and channel there. Mm. Channel what, you know. They would, uh, you know, channel to like the wisest in the land were into channel. Like Socrates would go there. Yeah. And the priestesses say, you are the wisest in the land. But anyway, there's lots of stuff about channeling and the priestesses. But the one thing above the Oracle of Delphi says, know thyself and you will know the cosmos and the gods. Right. And so, you know, the Greek, mystery schools go back to channeling the prophets of the old testament they were all channeled so this is the time of our channeled awakening 
Well, this is a perfect uh, place to talk about the channel panel that we're going to do together. Right. Yes, it was a little long bit around, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this is going to be, see, have you ever seen more than one channel channeling on stage before? Yeah, I love that, actually. It's really exciting for me. It's like a symphony. Yeah. Yeah. I've done it once. We were on a Law of Attraction cruise and David Strickle and I were together on stage. David Strickle. Yeah, he'll be one of the channelers as well. He's great. He channels the stream. And so was, there's 50, 60 people in the room and we're the two of us together and I'm channeling Joshua. He's channeling the stream and someone come in the hot seat and ask their question. And then the stream would answer in their way and Josh would answer in their way. And it was fantastic. And the next person would get up and Josh would start and the stream would start. And it was like great because you had two nuanced versions completely compatible, but saying it in different ways, different yeah. perspectives. Yeah. yeah, that's exciting. No, I do like that. That's, that's why I wanted to do this because that's so exciting to get different frequencies of thought in this same location so. yeah so we'll have have you seen roxanne swainhart i don't think i've seen her channel no i'm i kind of i've kind of stuck up. i mean i investigated a lot of channels i did see the guy who channels Raphael. what's his name originally from turkey he's he's yeah. so interesting yeah. um yeah. Seeing, oh, you know, it was one of my favorites back in the 80s was uh, Pat Rodegaster and Emmanuel. Emmanuel, yeah. If you pick up an old Emmanuel book, that's really good. There were some great channels in the 80s. <laughs> it's amazing that Jay-Z Knight was so mainstream to go on the Merv Griffin show. Well, yeah. I mean, Merv Griffin's producer had seen Jay-Z, Les uh -huh. Sinclair, and actually had done like a, a video uh, like one of the first videos of Ramtha was Merv Griffin's producer. So if you look at that um, show, in it was 1985, because I remember watching it at home, and I taped it, I taped it, um, and held on to that until there was a, a way to put that out into the world, which was, you know, 2000 with YouTube. I yeah. held on to that uh, that VHS tape of Merv Griffin interviewing Jay-Z Knight, because I don't think another one exists. I mean, I don't know about the, but, um, and put that on YouTube because I thought it was such a valuable piece of history. But I'm saying Merv, Merv looks very nervous there. <laughs> Did you ever well, see um, uh, Oprah and Esther Hicks? No, I've never seen Oprah and Esther Hicks. So there's a recording where Oprah does it for her radio show and interviews Esther, and then Abraham comes through, and it's brilliant. It's really oh, good. No. Um, but Oprah didn't want to put it on TV because it was too out there for everyone. Well, now I guess it's okay. But yeah. did you ever hear of Mafu, M-A-F-U? No. That was another great channel. I don't, I don't think she exists anymore. Very much in the line of Ramtha, you know. There's channeling styles, yeah, and like uh, like Tyler Ellison, he's sort of like that Daryl Anka style. Yes, very much like Daryl. Yep. And um, but Mafu was very interesting. I've had some really great experiences with Mafu, and um, 
yeah, I guess that was nineties. That was the nineties. Yeah. And you know, I, I should write a whole book about the history of channeling and, you know, Edgar Casey back in the thirties was one of the original ones. And yeah. I think Alice Bailey, that whole, um, early spiritual scene were um, even Blavatsky, who really the origins of modern day spirituality begins with Madame Blavatsky and the Isis Unveiled. Yes. And um, well, I was just reading about that. There is a whole community in um, Ojai, California that started from a channel and they were the followers of this, of this channel in the, in the 1920s. Well, Krishnamurti was out there. Yeah. He wasn't channeling, though. Maybe there was the, yeah. It was, I, an, it was an English woman. Um, and she was, a, she was born in Russia and she grew up in England. I, I was just researching this. Yeah. We need to have an encyclopedia of channels because yeah. there's some, because I think channeling is one of the keys to accessing new knowledge yes. that is outside the formal tradition of religion and which surpasses religion because religion is a trap of old dogmatic beliefs. So mm. channeling has always been a part of, um, of the human experience. Yeah. And I think it's gonna be great. Well, you'll get to see everyone uh, live and in action on the 19th and the 20th. It should be a lot of fun. Do you know Nora Harold? Do you know no, I got to look at this one. You give me a whole bunch here. Nora Harold, there's Wendy. What's Wendy's name? Wendy Ford, she channels. You know, there's a whole merger of uh, extraterrestrial channeling. I guess Daryl yes. Star started that. But yeah. my friend Hope just start channeled this new being was just fantastic named Hawk, Hope Fitzgerald. Wow. That. Um, there's a channeling explosion happening. There is. You know what? I tended to stay away from Esther Hicks because. Yeah, that's interesting too. I thought, you know, I was listening to Ramtha, which was so out there and so fantastic that Esther, pardon my judgment, seemed a little mundane pedestrian. Well, at, uh, Abraham is this big bubble of love that's very inclusive. And, and there are a lot of people who are just curious about spirituality. They can get into the secrets, the same thing. The secret appeals to a huge wide audience, Abraham, but, but, and that gets you to the place of being positive, thinking about your thoughts, yeah, meditating. Great. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not great, but yeah. for me, me too, I'm the same way. Yeah. Right. You, you, yeah. If you already know calculus, you don't want to start with ma with like addition. Right. Yes. So and it's um, better or worse. But. What happens is you get into Abraham and then you get what I call stuck in the law of attraction because you're thinking the positive thoughts, thinking the positive thoughts, feeling better, feeling better. And yet you are if you're still resistant in certain areas, you're not un uncovering the limiting beliefs and the fear around that that's right. yeah that's why i like you know joe dispenser joe dispenser comes right out of the ramp to school did you know that no i didn't but i was just watching the secret again and seeing how interesting all of that was from 10 years ago how on target that was and then the, the new secret movie that they did too um 
where they said, you know, we left out the action word in law of attraction. That was really good as well. These, everything in that movie that I looked back and thought was so general, I watched it again with new eyes and saw they knew all this stuff back then. Yeah, I mean, the secrets are, 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 um, are vital, whatever level you approach them on, like, yeah. the, like that book, The Kabbalion, the only thing you have to know is the mind is all in the all is mind. That's the bottom line, or you could say consciousness instead of mind, but right. that, that's the, the first and last teaching of the Kabbalion, and yet there's other laws, and so it's simple, but not really when you go into breaking it all down of what that means in essence. Yeah. I think you're going to really like Joshua because Joshua is really the next level of all this. Okay. I'm going to interview (laughs) Joshua. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, we've had a quick hour here. That went by super quick. Yeah. So you and I should get together and I'll channel Joshua for you on your show. And then you'll be prepared. And if you want to, look at the videos and stuff and and I'll send you a link to the podcast and then you can go and check that out because I think that you'll really see that there's, there's another level here. That's, that is going to resonate with you because you are this master. I actually, Rampa used to call everyone masters, whether they were beginning or not, but I'm a master (laughs) of what in your view, a master of. You are one of these, one of these beings that have come here to take humanity to a new level. Oh, thank you. That's, I want to take myself to a new level. Though. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, yeah. if how can people get in touch with you or find oh, out what you're doing? Well, one of the things I'm doing, because uh, besides channeling, UFOs have been a major interest and fascination. And I've just put together a book called Making Contact, which is a collection of writings by people I feel are the best and the brightest in the field like Linda Moulton Howe, um, Whitley Strieber, Nick Pope, uh, John Mack. Did you know who John Mack was? No. Harvard psychiatrist who started to talk to people about abductions and Harvard actually put a case against him to get rid of him. And he said, no, this freedom of speech and people are having experiences and I can't say they're psychiatrists. Anyway, John, who had died a, a few years back, his, his estate gave me permission to publish an unpublished essay which was great. So, and Daryl Anka has his um, own like um, understanding of his connection with Bashar. So, I got people really who are really um, astute in understanding what UFOs and ETs are really about. Are they really about beings from other places, or really are they more about activating our true humanity? expanding us beyond the realms of our old paradigm. So this book, Making Contact, is the search for who we really are. And and, and UFOs are a kind of vehicle, shall we say, or symbol of this reaching into the unknown. So, and there's some hardcore UFO stuff about reptilians and and grays and I go through my own abduction there because after after that rampa experience the next uh, kind of strange event I had was actually my own ET abduction wow which was another level of awakening and another program for us okay Gary yes 
I, yes. I had no idea. Yes, no, it was um, quite, um, I'm still actually trying to figure it out. Like, you know, if you read Jay-Z's Knight's biography of State of Mind, she, even with all her experiences channeling around, is still trying to figure out her own abduction that's in that book, A State of Mind. And so, she was born in Roswell in 1944. Yes, 1946, <laughs> I think. I thought it was like, I just looked it up. It was like the year before the first UFO sighting. Yeah, that was there. 47, Roswell. 40, oh, it's 46. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know who was also born in Roswell was Edgar Mitchell. Wow. Oh, really? What yeah. a coincidence. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he was born early. He was born in the 30s. But Jay-Z, yes, she was born in Roswell and um, 46. And she had an awakening as well. And, uh, you know, I just saw her at a UFO conference a couple of years ago. Wow. She was in the audience waving at me, which was really ironic because I used to be in the audience for years. <laughs> through the 80s and 90s, waving at her on stage. And there she was at contact in the desert. I said, who is this woman in the first row waving? And there was Jay-Z waving at me the way I used to wave at her on stage. Wow. That was pretty interesting. That was like a full circle. Sure was. Yeah. I was. yeah. So anyway, what goes around comes around. Folks. That's great. And <laughs> yeah. your YouTube channel is New Realities. Yes, newrealities. Uh, yeah, youtube.com slash newrealities for YouTube. My website's going back up called uh, YouTube, uh, called newrealities.com. The book, Making Contact, you can pre order it right now on Amazon. And it takes people through levels and levels of what the contact experience is from the outer nuts and bolts to the final essay is with Carolyn Corey who I think is as close you're gonna to get to meeting an ET on this planet. She is brilliant and she has merged with the ET mind. Do you know Carolyn Corey? No. Oh, you should interview her. She just did a movie called Superhuman. She's really- dressed. I love that movie. Oh, yeah. That movie, yeah. Superhuman. Wow. Yeah, you, she's looking to do more interviews. So- um, Yeah. And I have people like Grant Cameron there, who I think is one of the most brilliant people in the UFO field. So uh, JJ Hurtock, and his wife, Desiree, who are good friends of mine, they have a piece in that book too. And they are just, um, they're just very high evolved beings, you know, so. Um, Fantastic. That. That's the Excellent. book I'm pushing now. Great. Uh, also my predictions panel for the 2021 at the Open Center, January 7th. Go to the Open Center, look for predictions 2021 and sign up, I have about maybe seven or eight astrologers on the panel that I'm hosting talking about um, what's coming this year. Last year, we had a direct hit. William Stick Evers, he didn't really know what he was talking about. He said, January 4th, 2020, there's something coming out of China. He called it an X event. It's going to change the course of human history. I don't know what it is, but watch for it. Wow. So that was pretty amazing. That's what I call that's what I call a prediction. Yeah, that's a good one there.